Welcome to Maverick University, an educational series featuring ministry modules taught by ministry-minded Christians and designed to help Christians become more effective in their service for Christ. All right, welcome to another episode of Maverick University. I'm David Hallberg, your host. Joining me today is Brother Don Asawardi. Uh, Brother Asawardi has many years of ministry experience to include three years as a Christian school principal, uh, then also eight years as an evangelist, and then 20 years as a missionary, and has spent the last three years here at Providence Baptist College. And so we appreciate him and his ministry experience. Um, and we're going to be talking uh, for the next several episodes about the mission field and various uh, topics on that. Today's topic, uh, we'll be talking about the call to the mission field. So thanks, Brother Aswati, for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Yes, um, this is a topic that is on the minds of a lot of people, I think. Uh, Christian young people growing up in church, going through missions conferences, uh, feeling the burden uh, that it is to reach the world for Christ. And a Christian young person, um, you know, grappling, where does God want me? You know, does he want me as a pastor someplace, assistant pastor on a foreign field? And so I think this call to the mission field um, is obviously can be applied to so many different areas as well. It's not just a call to the mission field. I mean, a lot of these principles, I think, could be applied, you know, in many different aspects and avenues of life. So can I give a background for us? of where you were first exposed to missions and, you know, your reaction to that? I grew up in a very small church way out in the country. Of course, over the years it began to grow, but when I started going there, it was just a small country church. And it was a very missions-minded church. Even though we didn't have a very big congregation, we did uh, hear a lot about missions and missionaries. I remember um, on a very regular basis, we would have missionaries visit our church, and of course, they'd bring out the old-fashioned slide projector. They would show us pictures of their ministry, and it seemed to me like every missionary was going to Africa, and they talked about really exotic and strange things like living in a grass hut or eating snakes and bugs and monkey meat and things like that. And uh, to me, it was uh, it was a very personal thing because we got to meet the missionaries. My dad was a was a deacon in the church, and he was always very friendly with the missionaries. And inevitably, um, he would always, at the last minute after the Sunday morning service was over, he'd say, "Why don't you and your family come over to our house for lunch?" Well, then mom had to quick scurry home with the neighbor lady and get the get the house ready and you know prepare for a few more people at the table. But the missionary family would come over to our house. We would play with the missionary kids. And missionaries were very real people to me. And uh, I thought that, I always got the impression that missionaries were really very, very good people. But yet, when I thought about what they did, I, in the back of my mind, I always thought of them as being strange. So that was kind of my, <laughs> my exposure to missionaries. Very real, um, but kind of odd. So the missions... And missionaries weren't an abstract concept. They weren't just people whose pictures are pasted on the face, on the wall of the church, and you just look at their faces. Right. Real people to know them. that I have gotten to know and play with their kids. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Now, did you plan on being a missionary growing up throughout your life? Was this a lifelong yeah. ambition or goal? Or yeah, what? really, that is, a, that is a funny part of the story because I never for a moment expected that I would ever be a missionary um, when I, I was called to the ministry, I knew that God wanted me to be a preacher. Um, 
but it was the idea that I was going to go to Bible college because we needed to save America. Back in the, in the mid-70s, uh, we were all afraid that the communists were going to take over the world. They were going to come over to America and take, you know, kill our preachers and close our churches and everything. And I had a real burden for America. And I fully expected that I would be a pastor of a church somewhere in America. And I always had it in my head that as a pastor of some big church somewhere, I was going to support missionaries. And as I went to Bible college, there were a few missionaries in the college, and uh, it just kind of reinforced the impression that I'd always had of missionaries, that I knew they were more godly than I was. They were very spiritual people, but boy, they really seemed weird. And so I never said this to anybody, but the phrase that fixed in my mind of, of a missionary was kind of a godly weirdo. And as a pastor of a church, I was going to support these weirdos because they were doing God's work around the world. And, uh, but I never, ever dreamed that I would go to any other country but America. Yeah, I mean, I, growing up, I had kind of a similar impression because... You interact with the missionary's kids. They're, maybe it's a missions conference, and this missionary family is home on furlough, and these kids have been outside of the American culture for some time, and you know, it's just they strike you as a little bit different. I remember talking to a missionary kid, and he was just, I mean, he wasn't complaining, but he was bewildered that you could go to a fast food place and they wouldn't have any scorpions. How in the world can you have a good fast food meal if they don't even have scorpions on the menu? He'd grown up in China or somewhere. Yeah. That was his favorite snack. You got to dip it in the ketchup? I don't know what they dipped it in, but uh, he wanted scorpions. And I'm like, okay. All right. So, so you're in Bible college. Uh, this, is, this idea of what missions is and who missionaries are is you know, reinforced, I guess. And then you go off in the ministry someplace after... After college, I imagine. Right, my first uh, my first place in the ministry was uh, was in Bourbon A, Illinois. I was uh, the principal of the Christian school there. Really, along the same track that I'd always expected, I was working in a church as an assistant pastor, Christian school principal. I was helping to save America. I was in an American ministry, just like I always thought I would be. And then, um, as time went by, I became kind of a part-time evangelist for several years, and I traveled. I visited churches in America, and never really, other than giving generously to support missionaries, still never having any concept at all that I would ever be a missionary. So while you're there in Faith Baptist Church in Bourbon A, serving on staff and then as an evangelist um, as well, was there any other exposure to missions that uh, gave you a broader view? Well, the church in Bourbon A was a very missions-minded church. We had a lot of missionaries come in. We had some great missions conferences back then. And uh, I was always sensitive and my heart was moved for missions but I thought my only participation in missions is I just give some more money and God blessed and allowed us to give more than I ever thought I could um, and I was I was developing a heartbeat for missions as a donator okay during this time any missions trips or anything like that to exposure or anything? no really had no interest in anything like oh. that so what was it, and I understand it's while you were there, we're a member in Bourbon A, and I remember, I was a member of the church at that time as well, I remember uh, your family going on de- the deputation trail. So what, how did the Lord speak to you about a call to missions, was it? It was a specific um, uh, series of news events 
having to do with the Soviet Union. I grew up very conservative politically. My dad, uh, he got all the conservative publications that talked basically about the rotten communists over in Russia trying to take over the world. Yeah. And so my view, my world view was we are the good guys in America and the bad guys in the world are the Russians. And we don't like the Russians, they don't like us. And, uh, and then in the late 1980s, the whole thing started to change over there. Uh, Gorbachev started to try to reform the Soviet Union. He had a kind of a simple-minded idea that if he could soften communism that, you know, that the people wouldn't, because he was having a lot of unrest and, mm -hmm. and he thought, well, maybe if I just tone, tone things down a little bit, don't be quite so hard, Maybe if I give communism a human face, then we can just keep going as communists the way we have. Communism well, light. Yes, exactly. Uh, that kind of backfired on him. Sure. Uh, a lot of the puppet regimes in the Eastern European countries, uh, when they realized that he was not going to be iron-fisted with them, they just started breaking off from the Soviet orbit. Um, several countries just totally broke their ties with the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm until in 1989 the Berlin Wall came down. And I mean, that, that was thrilling to me. I'm watching this news with such great interest and I'm seeing the Berlin Wall come down and I'm like, man, this is great. I've been wanting to see this all my life. And, uh, and then all of a sudden in 1991, the Soviet Union just ceased to exist. I mean, it broke up into its individual countries mm -hmm. and there was no more Soviet Union. They pulled the Soviet flag down on Christmas day of 1991. And from that moment, I began to hear stories about the freedom that they had over there to go in and preach the gospel. It had been a closed country, the sure. Soviet Union. You couldn't go in there and preach the gospel. I read books, you know, Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into, into Russia in the back of his Volkswagen, you know. And all of a sudden, evangelists, missionaries, preachers are coming to our church and they're giving testimonies about preaching in Russia. And they said people are just hungry for the gospel and, and they've never heard it before. And they're, they're mobbing you to try to get a copy of the Bible. They've never had one before. Wow. And I thought, man, I would like to go over there one time and see that with myself. These rotten, stinking Russians, you know, are finally getting a chance for us to tell them about Jesus. And there's freedom. And so I began to talk to some. Every time somebody would come to our church and talk about going to Russia, I would say, man, how do you do that? Well, we get together a group of people, we take a trip, and uh, it's just wide open. Well, we had uh, Dr. Jim Vineyard, who used to always do our missions conferences. He came and talked a lot about Russia. This was in 1994. And I said, Brother Vineyard, I want to go to Russia and be a part of one of these groups. I'd like to go over there one time and, and see it for myself. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm heading back to Oklahoma. Um, there's a guy there, um, C.W. Fisk is getting a group together and I'll tell him you're interested in going. Well, I knew Brother Fisk from college days and I dropped Brother Vineyard off at the airport. He flew to Oklahoma City. C.W. Fisk picked him up and Brother Vineyard said, there's a man up in Bourbonnet who wants to go to Russia with you. Um, and so he called me that same day and said, Brother Don, you need to come with us. We're going to Belarus, which is in a former Soviet country. Sure. And, uh, and make a long story short, I went to Belarus with Brother Fisk and a group of preachers. We spent two weeks and it was just incredible. We had, it was just like they described it? Yes, we had in two weeks, we, we preached three or four times every day. They let us come into the schools and we went into hospitals and, and orphanages. We preached on the streets and in the parks and everywhere we went, people were just um, 
open and ready that we went to a marketplace and brought a truckload of Bibles and people just mobbed us to get a copy of the Bible. And man, I was just, I was moved. I, I thought, man, this is great. Um, but at the end of two weeks, I was, um, I was ready to go home. I said, this was good, but yeah. man, I got to get back to America. This place is, it was wonderful spiritual experience, but man, this place is horrible. I mean, it's just a horrible place. Uh, after 70 years of communism, the poverty and the ugliness and everything. And uh, I just wanted to go back home. But um, the Lord did a few things that really spoke to my heart and opened my eyes. So you go back home from this mission trip. You're burdened, obviously, as anybody would be. Um, how did it change from this burden about a specific location to, wow, is it that fact that just God never let it slip your mind? It was always in the forefront of your mind? Yeah, it was, uh, it's kind of a strange thing. When we left, um, the missionary who lives there, uh, Daniel Urban, he, he took us to the airport to kind of help us get through the, the checkpoints and whatnot. And I noticed that he was crying. And I thought, this poor guy, we get to go back to America and he has to stay in this God-forsaken place. And no wonder he's crying. He probably wishes he could go back to America with us. And just as we left, I shook his hand, and he said, I'm glad it's you going back to America and not me. And I thought, this guy loves it here. He wants to stay here. Why is that? And I don't know what it was about that, but that just... I picked up my suitcases, I turned around, and I just started weeping. And I thought, why am I crying? I'm going back to America. I'm looking forward to this. I'm happy to get out of here. And I wept all the way to the airplane. I wept on the airplane all the way to our first stop. I wept all night long as we stayed overnight in Austria before we flew back to America. And I thought I was losing my mind. I had no idea what was going on. Finally, by the time I got home, I thought, well, I think probably the Lord is putting a prayer burden He wants me to pray that God will send missionaries because obviously missionaries need to go there. Two weeks was great, but somebody needs to go over there and live, learn their language and and work with them. And so I prayed, honestly, I prayed for a year that God would send missionaries over to the former Soviet Union. And um, about a year later, it was just like God put a question in my mind. What about you? If I called you, would you go? And I thought, well... If God called me, I'd go. I mean, sure, I would. But does that mean you're calling me, Lord? What? And I wrestled with that for another few months. So finally, I went, to, um, I went to my pastor and I said, you know, I think maybe God's calling me to go to Russia. And he said, congratulations. You are the last person in our church that knows that you are called to be a missionary to Russia. He said, we've known it for over a year. Everybody in the church has known that God wants you to go to Russia as a missionary, and we're just waiting for you to figure it out. And, uh, and that's how God called me, um, and I have no doubt that, that that's what he wanted me to do. And, um, and from there on, it was just a life of uh, many, many years to follow on the mission field. It reminds me of that verse. Uh, in fact, it was given this morning. We're on a Saturday uh, today, and we had soul winning meeting this morning. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And, you know, then the next progression is then go, you know, and do it. So that's wonderful. Uh, But last morning, I appreciate you talking about your specific call to the mission field. One last thing before we're done. uh, What would you say to someone who may be interested in going to a mission field? What advice would you give? They're interested in it. Maybe they don't know for sure if they're called. I would just say a couple things. First, don't go unless you're sure God's calling you. 
I mean, it's easy to look at a missionary's pictures and be moved by the poverty and the need and just feel like, oh man, I want to do something. That's, I mean, human nature, a, a good heart would want to do something. But I would say wrestle with that in prayer. And unless you are sure that God's calling you, I, would, I wouldn't advise somebody just to go. Sure. Um, I would say that everybody should be willing to go. I think everybody should tell God, if you want me to go, you show me, you let me know, and I will go. In the meantime, I think you should be generous, give generously to missions. And um, I would just say this, why not ask him to call you? Mm-hmm. Say, God, I don't know if you called me or not, but Lord, would you call me to go? Would you please call me to go? And hey, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But you ought to be so willing to go that you'd be willing to say, Lord, why don't you call me? I'd like to go. If you would call me, I would. I guess that's the ultimate prayer of surrender. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Brother Aswari, for your time. Okay. Uh, Check out our uh, next videos. They'll be in the, uh, the description below. There'll be a link to the next video. We're going to be talking about learning a foreign language and culture on the mission field. Thanks so much. <music>